Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The title of the book is Fifth Blade. And joining me from, I think it's Virginia, is my author, V. B. Bailey. Uh, Valerie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning to you, Jay. Well, good morning. I, In looking at a little of your history and also reading through the book, I, I had the impression that you're an obsessive note-taker and uh, journalist. Is, is that correct? You, you journal your activities and, and things that go on in your life, correct? I've been doing it for many years. Yes, that's exactly true. Now, that takes a lot of discipline to do that. I have uh, thoughts and uh, random ideas that come to my mind. I'll remember them tomorrow. I'll remember them next week. In fact, I was looking for a website that I had uh, stumbled across a few weeks ago, and I had a difficult time. I had to go back, even though it was, I thought, in my... Uh, in my uh, in my you know saved pages it didn't show up so uh, someone who who journals and uh, takes notes and is reflective on the things that are happening in their life is someone that is a has a treasured gift in my opinion uh, it doesn't get in the way the title of your book though is very unique it's titled fifth blade now i understand by reading it that this is your personal journey and a reflection possibly from the notes that you were taking at the uh, time of the events that are are in it is that uh, correct that is correct and because i do take journal um do a lot of writing in my journals pretty much every day when i can and i had a journal pretty much the whole time that i was going through this particular trial so it was kind of easy to go back and just to reflect on the memories of, um, of what happened, what transpired, you know, how I was able to, you know, write the book and all the different um, things uh, that actually came up. So, so everything is true because everything was documented. Absolutely. Now, in your writing style, because your book is is not just uh, point by point, it, it, when you journal, do you do paragraphs and uh, reflective sentences, or did, is this something you had to expand on when you began writing the book? Well, actually, you know, I, I don't, sometimes I'll just do little bullets of what happened, but during this particular time um, when I was writing, I actually have a notebook, and I would just sit down and just write. And I would have actually the day, the time, the year. So I actually had all the circumstances of that particular day down to the minute of what, what, what happened. Wow. So I didn't have to translate, you know, trying to make up something. I actually had it written down. Uh, that takes a lot of discipline. I, I admire people that have that skill. Uh, for me, it would um, I, I maybe impede my creative uh, side or maybe my, my energetic side that I used to have. I don't have as much uh, right now. How do you set aside time every day? Is it a certain time of day that you begin writing, or is it at the end of the day? How do you not uh, take a day off or a month off or a week off? Well, um, I've been writing since I was about 16 years old when I was in high school, and I actually um, had a project when I was in high school. The teacher gave us a, a writing assignment, 
And I actually wrote a little short story then, and um, the teacher didn't even believe that I had written the book. <laughs> and she called my parents in and asked them, you know, or told them that I had, um, you know, trans, you know, copied somebody's book and all, right. because there was no way a child at my age could have written anything. But my mom knew that I was doing it because I got out of some of my chores um, mm-hmm. at that particular time because I was writing for that project. Right. And long story short, you know, I realized my passion at that particular time. And I've been writing since then, even when I was in college, you know, I would take time at nighttime to write about, you know, the events of the day, you know, during my quiet time, I would take time because I'm kind of a, a loner. I am a loner. They say most writers are kind of, you know, we spend a lot of time alone. Yes. So I would just take time at the end of the night and just write about what I did. Um, also, during the daytime, like during my breaks, I would sit down and just write. During that time, you know, we didn't have all the automation and technology and stuff. So I would keep like a little um, notepad at my desk when I was at work, and I would just write. Sometimes I would just sit down and, and just um, write scriptures. Right. And I remember one day I had written I'm on my little blog on my desk, I'm like, I had written script, scriptures all over my desk. <laughs> wow. Over my desk. I had just been writing and writing and writing. And I'm just reflecting back, I've been writing for a very, very long time. I wrote poems. I would write poems at the end of the night, you know, about what was going on in my life, birthday cards for my sisters, you know, stuff like that. So I've been writing for a long time, so it's easy. And then in my church, (laughs) we take notes. I go to a church where you take, you don't walk in without a notepad in the the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I take notes every Sunday. I've been doing that for what? 28 years. Well, I won't I won't ask how old you are then. That I mean that's that's no. a, <laughs> your book is is is, no. is is 82 or 80, 83 pages long and although you are as you have just uh, displayed a person of faith, your book doesn't uh, take a heavy-handed approach to Christianity or faith or or belief in God, but it does deal with that. It's the underpinning of what you went through in those 82 pages. Uh, share with my listeners the title again. It's called The Fifth Blade. I, I found that interesting. Where's the uh, origination of that term and that phrase, and what was it that you went through in those 82 pages that you've shared? Okay. Well, <clears throat> It was one particular night. The book um, uh, starts in my uh, family room, in my family room. I think it was like 2007. And I was just sitting there on my sofa in the family room. And something told me, I was sitting there because I had been in prayer. I was sitting there quietly just reflecting on everything that I had gone through uh, with my husband. And I don't want to tell the whole story, right. but all the trials that I had been going through, because the book is pretty much about the trials, um, the ups and downs that you go through in life, that we all go through. All of us have things that we go through. I'm just the person who's just sharing her story. Hmm. But I was just yeah, reflecting on what was going on, and I, and I just remember looking up, and it's like God was speaking to me, and I was like, what is going on? It's like, you're going to write a book. You're going to write the book about what has happened. And you're going to call it Fifth Blade. I'm like, why Fifth Blade? Mm-hmm. Well, remember the incident that, you, that, you, that happened when you were sitting down on the sofa. And you were looking up. It was one night that I was going through so much. So my husband was just, he was just struggling. He was really struggling. And I looked up, and I couldn't find that Fifth Blade on the ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. 
why is it? I, I remember when they installed that 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 blade because we had had a house, a brand new house built, and I'm like, where is that fifth blade? And it was dark. It was dark in the room. The room was dark, and but the reflection from the lights, the night lights were on, and I'm like, there is no fifth blade. And I'm like, that's got to be a fifth blade. That's just got to be a fifth blade. But I'm not accepting this. Then I just sit down because I'm saying, I'm like, let me just sit back down because I'm just imagining things. I'm tired. I'm weary. It's just something that's going on in my mind. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I just can't see straight. I'm like, but I couldn't. It, I wrestled with them. I'm like, wait a minute. That is a fifth blade. I know why I'm not that tired. I'm just not that tired. There is a fifth blade. Most ceiling fans have a fifth blade. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and I looked and I was looking and I just kept walking around, like looking up, just looking up. I kept looking up. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, there's the fifth blade. There it is. Mm. That's just like light. Isn't that just like light when you know that you know that you know? When you know that God is there, when you know that he's given us words to live by, how can you just walk away because you, well, because you don't see it? When you believe, when you have faith, when you trust God, you have, to, you have to still continue to stand on what you know, not what you see. I couldn't see that fifth blade, but I knew it was a fifth blade on that ceiling fan. Mm. And I was just inspired. The Holy Spirit said, you're going to name the book Fifth Blade. And I said, Lord, nobody's going to want to read a book about a fifth blade. They're not even going to understand. They're going to think about some action movie with people getting killed, getting cut up by a blade and all. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, you name it Fifth Blade. So I, I was obedient, and I did what I was told to do. Beautiful. I, and the book is an easy read in some respects, uh, only from the standpoint of the conversational style. The uh, the contents of your book, you you do deal, and I will reveal this, uh, your husband was going through a what would be termed a, a very serious illness, and uh, this is the journey that you you took. And again, I will reflect on the book. The book is not a, a book that um, someone who is not a churchgoer or a faith-believing person would pick up and say, oh, that's, that's just not for me. This is one that's inspirational and yet, yet not heavy-handed. Uh, how long did it take you to complete this, Valerie? About three months. Is that all? Three months. Well, again, you had the notes. All you had to do was fill in the blanks and uh, flesh out the, the content of the book. What, what was your inspiration behind it? Why did you feel you wanted to share this? Because, uh, like you said, it's not heavy-handed as far as the faith, the, 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 the Christianity part of it, because I don't want to just target that. I wanted people to know that we all go through trials and tribulation. This is about this is can, this can hit someone when you're married, a married couple, anybody that's going through anything. If you're in a relationship, you don't know what tomorrow can hold. You just don't know. This book is about just trusting God when you feel like you can't move forward. You cannot. You can't. You don't see an answer. It's not just talking to just Christians because all everybody goes through things. I didn't. I didn't write it to just be for just Christians. I didn't do a lot of uh, scriptures and all that kind of stuff like that because I wanted to, to be able to reflect on, you know, real life, real situations in people's lives that um, when you go through things, if you don't have a strong faith in, in, in something, if you, if you don't believe, you give up. You give up and you lose perspective. 
Don't take your family for granted. Don't take your friends for granted. Don't take your life for granted because you don't know what tomorrow holds. We had big plans um, when we came in this house, and things happened quick, and it happened quickly. And we all will be, you know, subject to going to different things. So you've got to be able to know that there is someone that you can go to. There is a higher power, and he gives, you, he gives you chances to learn, to have a relationship with him, to know him for these hard times, for a reason. If I didn't have God in my life, if I didn't have faith in something and believe, I couldn't have endured all that I had to go through when my husband was going through his trial. There is no way that I would have made it. So the book is not just designed for those who are in church. It's designed to tell people, trust God. Because you're going to have to have something to stand to when things hit you. You're going to have to, because if you don't, you give up. You, don't, you have to have a higher power. You have to have God in your life. I'm not afraid of my walk. I'm not afraid of, of being a Christian. I'm not afraid of saying I love the Lord with all my heart. That's who I am. Mm. And you will go through things if you have a wife. Love on her. Love her like there's no tomorrow. Love your children like there's no tomorrow. Because life is not promised you. You will have trials. But when that child hits you, when you can't see hope, I couldn't see that blade. That was, my, that was about faith. It was mainly about faith. That's what Fifth Blade is about, about faith and love and knowing who you are. And that's why I wrote the story. It's, it's beautifully done. And uh, listeners, I will uh, also mention this, that Valerie, you as a young person were an exchange student in Paris. That must have been an exciting journey. And then received a Bachelor of Arts degree in foreign language from Virginia State. And uh, you've uh, you've had a very uh, diverse and interesting uh, exposure to life and people. You uh, even operated a bookstore for a while. And when your husband was going through a difficult time, uh, bills began to pile up. But there was a provision that showed up at the doorstep, correct? That is correct. That is correct. God will make a way when you don't have a way. God will make a way. But you have to have a relationship with God. You have to know and spend time with God. You have to know that, you know, I've got to set aside some time to, for me. For me, you know, you don't have to be a Christian for that. You need to have some time when you reflect back on, think about what you did during the day. Who did you hurt? Who did you offend? Who did you do any good with or for? You have to have that time because you never know when you're going to be in that situation that you're going to need someone. And if you don't take the time to love and to grow, you're supposed to grow, continue to grow and grow no matter how old you are. You have to continue to grow because when, you, when, you, when you're young, you make a lot of mistakes, and sometimes you can't see what you're doing. But as you get older, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Why did I do that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you as a person. And when you know better, you do better. Absolutely. Uh, your book, again, is uh, is interesting the way it, it, it approaches life, and the contents certainly deal with a difficult task of uh, reliving those moments of uh, challenge and destiny. Uh, one thing I also found intriguing about the book is that you sort of leave some things unsaid and uh, leave it for the imagination maybe of the reader. Uh, the last chapter of your book and the last paragraph uh, certainly caught my attention, and uh, I wondered, I wonder if there's another book coming out. Maybe yes, maybe no. It says, an old friend and I did make the track, and we walked 10 miles. We talked about everything, including my strong desire to finish my book. But what was the most inspri- uh, surprising thing to learn was that he 
had the same pearl. And you didn't put the word he or the pronoun he in into this chapter until the last possible sentence. So I found that intriguing also and uh, certainly captured my attention. Is there another book on the horizon? Yes, it is. Aha, wonderful. And is it underway? I mean, is it ready to be produced soon? Um, it's going to be produced soon, and I wanted people to have just that, that you know, that thought, like, well, what happened? Who is this person? <laughs> What's going to happen in her life? Yep. You know, I want to have some intrigue right there. But, you know, and I know I talked about the pearl, but if you don't read the very first part of the book, my introductory introductory is, is about a pearl. I talk about a pearl. Right. So if you miss pages, then you won't you don't see where that pearl come in. Excellent. You know, the pearl. Well, listeners, get a copy of the book. I know you'll find it intriguing and also inspiring at the same time. And if you or your family members are going through a difficult time, maybe health wise or maybe a tragedy that's even hit your family, this book will give you hope for the future. So thank you, Valerie, for joining me today. The title of the book, again, which is Fifth Blade, V.B. Bailey is my author. Uh, Valerie, where can my listeners get a copy of the book? Well, right now you can get it on, on Amazon.com. That's where it is right now. Very good. They can also do a search under your name, initial V and B. Last name Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y. Their local bookstore can order it in under that title, under Fifth Blade. And uh, maybe do a search online and find out what you're up to when the next book comes out. Thank you, Valerie, for sharing your story and joining me today. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. For Author House and Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. Congratulations on getting your book published. The effort you put into your work is truly commendable. But what's next? What will happen to all the knowledge you have worked so hard to acquire to produce your book? Here at TogiNet Radio, we can provide you a platform to keep your knowledge working for you through the power of podcasts. The subjects our podcasts cover are as varied as the grains of sand on a beach. From life coaching, to military resources, to business success, even to the paranormal. We have a place for everyone. To get started on your next step, call Scott at 903-787-5880 or email him at scott at toginetradio.com. That's S-C-O-T-T at T-O-G-I-N-E-T-R-A-D-I-O dot com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book title is Finding Christ in College. And joining me from Florida is the author, Aaron Tillman. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thanks for having me, Jay. Now, did you go to a uh, what I'd call a secular or liberal arts school uh, where you had this encounter with uh, your faith? For sure. Um, the school is definitely a public institution, um, but, you know, I would say secular in, the, in a sense of really just uh, not specifically to any spiritual sense, um, really just open to all types of students. 
And how how in the world did this happen? Uh, most liberal arts schools uh, have a have a tendency to take uh, young adults who are at least foundationally uh, set up in faith and in church going and all of that, and maybe lead them astray. They they do other things. So how is it that you uh, going to a liberal arts school? became in uh, embraced by your faith when other kids who start out with faith seem to lose it? That's <laughs> a good question. Um, it's so funny. Just uh, I think I had a lot of different experiences, um, kind of even from high school leading up into college. But, um, man, I just had a had a drastic experience when I was in the marching, uh, the marching band uh, at my school. Um, where I encountered God radically while I was out on the marching band field. Um, just, you know, remember specifically being out there at practice, or the band we had practiced for roughly, it could be anywhere from sometimes seven to um, sometimes even 13 hours a day, um, just practicing during the summer. And um, I really felt like God was speaking to me in a sense of, you know, wanting me to um, leave the very thing I loved so that I could find who he was and really find love itself. Um, so through, through leaving that, um, you know, there were a bunch of different situations or challenges, I guess, that uh, I had that really, um, I would say, enhanced my faith and really pushed me closer to God in that instance. But, um, you know, being at, the, being at the school, it was an environment where, um, you know, not everyone has a natural belief in God, but it was never anything that was really exercised or lived out in um, I just had a, had a different experience that I, you know, couldn't help but share with other people. And regardless or not, if they, you know, wanted to hear it, um, you know, I knew I had to really allow them to hear my story and at least be able to hear on their own, you know, and make the judgment <laughs> whether they would want to, you know, believe in the God that I believed in or not. You've shared this in 118 pages. It's a personal biography and a biographical sketch of your life and uh, your walk to faith. One thing that does stand out in the chapter headings, and one that I haven't asked you about, but you have it titled, Walking on Water. Now, that would certainly maybe be a convincer in my world that maybe I was making the right decision. Did that happen to you? <laughs> so it actually, it actually didn't happen to me. That chapter just really um, is just, you know, saying just having the faith to step out and, you know, not that I was walking on water at all, but having the faith to um, overcome the challenges and really go against the the natural wave of where other students were going um, and really just, you know, having having that sort of faith, um, not necessarily walking out of the water. But, you know, you think about it in the Bible where, you know, uh, Jesus is out in, in the water in the midst of the storm and, you know, Peter uh, decides to step out, you know, and it wasn't in a sense of, you know, Jesus saying, hey, Peter, come out to me, you know, but Peter decided on his own to step out in faith. And, you know, as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to see the water and the waves. And, you know, um, you know, Jesus reaches back out to him and says, oh, ye of little faith, you know. So really just the, the chapter points toward um, my faith increasing and the different experiences that I had in which, you know, I just really had to to step up in a sense. There comes a, there comes a point, I think, in all of our lives where, we, you know, may believe or may be in a certain place of comfort, and, you know, I believe that Jesus is calling us all out of that place of comfort, and in that instance, you know, that was that was one of the experiences I had um, while I was in school. He was, he was pulling me out of a place of comfort in my faith and wanting me to experience the growth 
that uh, was necessary in my life. Now, it, it, were there other students or faculty members that had a positive influence on you and that decision, or was it something that maybe went back into your childhood and earlier life? Um, it was a little bit of both. Um, I remember uh, uh, it was like a Bible school almost that I went to when I was a kid, and um, I had you know dedicated my life to Jesus and accepted Him, and um, you know, was genuinely, uh, genuinely, you know, entered salvation really, you know, at that point of my life, probably about seven or eight years old, but I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I, I didn't really know the effect and, you know, the importance and significance of what it really meant until I got to college. And, um, I had a, a youth pastor, um, that was, uh, he was a college pastor in school and friended him and he would always invite us out. And I had a good friend who I lived next to who would invite me out to their campus meetings and, I'd give him a good lie and say, hey, yeah, I'll be there, and this, this, and that, but never never went, you know, who really just uh, continued to encourage me, continued to empower me, and they would invite me to their campus meetings, and um, I finally decided to go to one of the campus meetings, and you know, i never forget, they were speaking on, I believe it was relationships, and I was in a relationship at the time where you know, I just felt like it just wasn't the right time to be in that, that sort of relationship, and it wasn't anything where, um, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to you know, exit anything like that, but I felt like God was continually speaking to to me in regard to just uh, wanting me to change certain things in my life, and I had to make some difficult decisions, but it was more so, I had a, I had a good friend who lived a door or so away from me in the, the residence hall that we lived in, um, a college pastor who was just very consistent, committed, and, um, you know, I'm so thankful for him. He just continued to pour into my life from there. That really influenced a lot of my, my walk with, with God. You have also, besides becoming an author and sharing your personal journey, you are a bivocational campus minister. Is that something that you are still active in? That is true, yes. Um, I've been able to serve um, in that role um, since I a little bit before I graduated, um, so it was probably around 2011 or so, where I was able to kind of serve in a role where I was helping as a co-campus pastor to our former campus pastor with, you know, preaching duties, um, helping, you know, set up different conferences and, and other things along those lines. But um, I still serve in that role today on the campuses of uh, Florida A&M University, Florida State University, and uh, we're hoping to uh, get back on the Tallahassee Community College campus as well. And in writing this, what was the purpose? What was the motivation behind it? Who do you hope to reach with this? Is this uh, a read that someone who has absolutely no confidence in church or in faith or in uh, religion, will they be able to read this and at least get some insight and maybe get some inspiration? The heart behind the entire book is I really wanted people to know Christ in a personal way. Um, to know that, you know, he, he wants to know all about us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And, you know, the, the, the fact that he's not weird, you know, I think often in Christian culture, we can be so um, alienated almost, and we can be just not ourselves. And I, I don't think that God doesn't want us to remove, you know, the identity and, and who he's made us to be, whether that be our personalities and, you know, um, the gifts and skills and abilities that he's given us. But you know, he wants us to not only, you know, understand that, but to also understand who he is as Lord and Savior and in a, in a way where it's relatable. And I think anyone can read this book and understand that regardless of 
what grades you might be in, how far removed, whether you don't you do go to church or don't go to church. I think anyone can read this book and find something that they can relate to. Um, and it, you know, if they don't find anything, they'll at least get a really good laugh. <laughs> well, great. You are you are sharing some personal personal stories, and in addition to the religious side of this book, Up from the Ashes. What is that about? So, Up from the Ashes. That is really a culmination of all the things that I experienced and having to get up when I didn't want to get up. You know, we often get knocked down in a fight, and uh, when you get knocked down, it's hard to want to uh, get back up again. And one of the things I uh, experienced was uh, not only the exiting of my relationship uh, with the young lady that I was with at the time, leaving the March in 100, but I also experienced um, my father passing my freshman year. So Mm. a lot of those difficult events um, really, really led me to a place where I just felt knocked down and didn't want to, you know, get back up. So up from the ashes is really, you know, the the aftermath of war. At times, all you see is black mist of, you know, what happened after war. And you see just the sky is gray and just everything is just, you know, very melancholic, if you could say. And, um, you know, you're not wanting to move forward. You know, you almost just feel beat up. And um, that chapter is really specifically about, you know, just fighting fighting through when you don't want to fight anymore. After finding Christ, everything went smoothly. There's never been a problem that's invaded your life. Is that correct? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Oh, phooey. But you still would recommend a relationship with Christ, though. Um, To you, that's eternal. That lasts, you know, longer than anything else that we can think of. So, no, difficulties are, are to come and challenges are to come and those things will help to grow our faith. Um, but understanding, you know, who who Christ is in the midst of those challenges and difficulties is the important part. And how long did it take to complete the book? Oh, longer than what it needed to be. <laughs> so uh, I, I started working on it um, roughly about four, four or five years ago. Um, I unfortunately, um, our house got broken into when we, my wife and I, we first gotten married. And um, I just got discouraged for a long time of hmm. even wanting to start it up again. Um, but, you know, I decided to um, buy a journal and I just started writing. Um, I didn't really try to edit it. I'm one to go back and try to edit something after I've written it um, a thousand times over until it just doesn't get written. So I just decided to just write, you know, write my thoughts and write my experiences. And, you know, I, I was excited that I had finished it in the journal, but I was also like, man, I have to go back and transcribe this to a laptop now. So <laughs> well. um, that was difficult. But um, it took roughly, roughly, it's probably been about four years in, in the making. Beautifully done. 118 pages. So it, it does uh, give us insight into your personal life and also to the life of those who are followers of Christ. The title of the book, again, is Finding Christ in College. That's a miracle just in itself. And my author, who's joined me from Florida, is Aaron Tillman. Aaron, where can I get a copy of this book? Where can my listeners uh, find you? For sure. The book is available um, on Amazon. It's also available on Barnes & Noble. And it's also available through my publisher, Author House Publishing. And uh, do you have, uh, I don't know, a fan page uh, on Facebook or a website that's developed yet? So I don't actually have a website that's developed yet, but um, I've definitely been open. I've been open to a lot of fan comments and insight on my Facebook page, my personal page, which is just uh, Aaron J. Tillman. 
um, on Facebook. And um, you can also find me on Instagram where I do a little bit of promotion and advertising, um, different events, uh, book signings that may be coming up as well. Fabulous. And listeners, you can do a search under Aaron's name, A-A-R-O-N, last name T-I-L-L-M-A-N. And also under the title of the book, Finding Christ in College. Aaron, it's been a delight to visit with you. Best of uh, luck, or shall I say, God bless you in the future. And prosperity, we hope, will come your way. I'm guessing that because of this first step into the water with writing, there may be something in the future. So we look forward to visiting with you again. Thanks so much, Jay. I appreciate the time, and uh, it's been a pleasure just being able to share uh, my experiences. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Aaron, for Author House and Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Stay with us for more Christian Living That Counts, back in a moment. hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxomaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxomaniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's words you I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts. Readings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. The book is titled, Walking on the Water. And joining me from Honduras in Central America is the author, Amy Ellen. Welcome to the program, Amy. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, nice to hear from you. Your book is uh, the first... What can I help? Sure. Your, your book is the first, yeah. first book that you've written, 108 pages or so. It tells of a personal story and your personal journey, which encompasses a, the birth of a son, uh, Chicago, and some other things. Share with my listeners a little of your book. What is it about, and how did it get written? Well, uh, it got written because uh, after my only son suffered uh, a violent uh, assault here in Honduras, he... Uh, was beat up and shot in the head, uh, execution style. Wow. And uh, the during that that time, lots of incidents took place, which at the beginning I did not uh, even pay any attention to. But uh, as people started asking questions of, as to what had taken place, I started um, meditating that they were not uh, in the natural. There had to be something supernatural to what was ta- had taken place. And 
everybody would say, well, you should write a book about it. I had never uh, engaged ever on such a mission as to write a book, uh, but because I'm a retired math teacher, but as several people kept insisting that I should uh, write a book about it because it was astonishing, I started uh, thinking to myself, well, maybe they have a, a point, and I, I can, uh, then became convinced of uh, uh, engaging in the, the journey of writing a book and actually learning a lot from it. Yes, your son Alex, is. Uh, the book is about him and his story, but it also has an interesting beginning. Twelve years of marriage, no children, and you and your spouse were in Chicago uh, at a conference. Now, this was a Christian conference, a conference of faith, and during that conference, something unique happened at that point. Tell us about that as well. Well, uh we uh, were in the conference, and we had been having issues in the, our marriage because of uh, the as time was passing and there was no kids. Uh, he had uh, visited we, both of us, uh, the doctor, and it turned out that uh, he was the one that uh, had problems to have kids hmm. so I at that point I thought well it maybe it's God's will that we're uh, not going to have our own kids so uh, maybe God's will is that we adopt kids uh, he didn't want that and here the church sends us to this conference and it starts that um, they're going to pray for those of us present that wanted kids and could not have them. So I wanted to go and uh, for them to pray for us, but he wouldn't go. Mm. And he w uh, insisted, and as I say in the book, till he said, I, I'm not going, I I'm not moving from here. You can do as you want, but I'm not moving. And I went forward alone. Hmm. And it was always my uh, belief because uh, Alex was born uh, 15 months from that day. Wow. That's incredible. Incredible story, and I, I might mention this also, which to me was a little bit of a surprise, and maybe it's just my uh, lack of knowledge, but uh, you are of the Baptist de denomination in uh, Honduras. It might be different in Honduras than it is in the United States. I don't know that they are as faith-focused on miracles. Uh, it, would that seem—am I misunderstanding that? No, here we're, we're very focused on miracles. And in fact, there, uh, at times we, at church, we have um, services that they're just uh, given testimony as to miracles that ha has happened to the congregation. 
we're very focused on miracles happening in our lives. That's beautiful. And I think we're more more uh, faith-based than it is in the States, or at least what I have seen in traveling to the United States. I think that's a good observation. I'm glad that you were able to share that. Uh, your your son was uh, seriously injured and uh, I, in one capacity perhaps even given up for dead. But that faith uh, foundation that you had, not only in your church life but in your personal life and also in your history, uh, caused you to have uh, some hope for the future. And that explains perhaps the title which is a little unusual, too, Walking on the Water. How does that title fit into the experience you, uh, ex- you that you uh, endured and went through? Uh, the title fits in in, uh, in the book. I think it's the second chapter or third chapter. I, I mentioned of a prayer meeting at church where uh, it happened two days before uh, Alex was uh, shot, that uh, the pastor was teaching from Matthew, uh, right now, uh, from Matthew, where Jesus walks on the water and tells Peter to come and um, come to him walking on the water. And uh, as long as Peter was focused on Jesus, uh he did not think he, he walked on the water. But when he looked around at the storms that were, were uh, and the waves, that was when he started to sink. And that was what the preacher, uh, the point that the preacher was making that night, that those the storms of life are the storms in that passage uh, reflective of the, those storms. Uh, when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we can get through our problems uh, successfully. That's where the wa- we walk on the water. We get through the, our problems successfully. But when we turn our eyes off of Jesus and we focus on the um, storms that uh it's in our lives, whether that storm be unemployment, a sickness, uh, problems with our children, whatever it may be, when we take our eyes off of Jesus to look at the magnitude of our problems, that's when we uh, look and we say it's too big, it's impossible, and we forget that our God is a God of impossible. Very and ju- that's where we think. Very good encouragement. I would say an uplifting message just in what you've stated. In part of your journey, you were searching for your son uh, while this incident took place or when it took place. And explain to my listeners how a person under the influence of alcohol and a doctor uh, fit into this story. Well, the person with, uh, of uh, with alcohol intoxicated, I encountered him. Because I went out uh, to look for my son when he didn't return that night. And I found the, his car, and a policeman told me that they had taken him to the general hospital. 
When I got to the general hospital, this intoxicated man came out of nowhere, and he helped me go through the, uh, uh, get into the hospital at one in the uh, morning hmm. and go through all the uh, uh, divisions, the, the areas of the hospital, the emergency, the recuperation, the uh, men's ward, all of those uh, uh, wards. He carried me through all of that at one in the morning and nobody even questioned uh, who we were. Hmm. Nobody asked me my name or him his name. And I hadn't re uh, realized it till a friend uh, of mine, uh, I know him from, he was a kid in church. He, uh, once uh, Alex was in the hospital, he comes and he says to me, well, how do you find Alex? So I says, I went out looking for him, and I says, I went to the general hospital, and this drunken man uh, helped me get in, and we looked for him, and he looks at me like a, a something weird, and he says, how, how a drunken man, an intoxicated man, is going to uh, help you uh, get into the general hospital? It's impossible. First thing, if the guards see a, a, an intoxicated person, a visibly intoxicated person, they're not going to let him pass. That was when I started realizing that there was something supernatural in that. Incredible. And yeah. And, and the doctor. It's incredible. And, and, and yes. Doctor Mel, Mel, is it Maldonado? Is that correct? Uh, what was his? Uh, how was he involved in the story? Well, he was uh, the one of the doctors that uh, uh, they shift duties at the hospital where I carried him that uh, here in Honduras. And, but he also works at the general hospital, so he knows the the restrictions that they have at the general hospital to get in. And he says, it's impossible. And hmm. he argued the point with me that it was impossible for uh, an intoxicated person to have the guards to let an intoxicated person get through. It was just impossible. I said, but I'm not uh, dreaming. I know it happened that way. Incredible. He says, but it's not possible. That was when I came to my personal realization that that uh, intoxicated person had to be an angel. I mean, it, what he was, his point was totally right. I mean, I think in any part of this world, if uh, you go to a hospital or an intoxicated person show up that's not looking for, for aid, just looking to try and walk in, they're going to stop it. Well, that's an amazing part of the story. Your son uh, ended up in the United States for rehab and some other issues because the injuries were so intense. And before the incident took place, uh, your son, was he uh, committed to his faith as you are? Well, I he, he went to church and, and all that, but I don't think he was quite as, as committed as I was. 
at the time I was having, he was a, a teenager. He was 19 still. He had just turned 19. And I was having some issues with him because he had made some uh, friends that I didn't particularly didn't like very much. Yes. And I, I was having some issues with him. And when the preaching took place, I thought God was speaking to me because of the issues that I was having with my son, with these friends. Little did I realize that God was uh, telling me what I had to do, uh, what was coming, what was ahead for me, and what I had to do. It's a fascinating story, 108 pages, and uh, I won't give away all of the secrets in your book, but you have uh, taken extensive care in sharing the details of this and also outlining the miraculous story behind the story of walking on the water. Amy, where do we get copies of this book? My readers need to get a copy of this. They'll find it not only entertaining but also challenging. On Amazon, we're working right now, and it should soon be available the audio book we have the hardbound the softbound and the ebook is available at amazon and as i'm telling you the audio will soon be available excellent please uh, do a search under the author's name a i m y uh, the last name or the second name, E-L-L-E-N, Amy Ellen. And the title, again, Walking on the Water. You can search for it at your local bookseller or online and uh, keep in contact with Amy. Amy, thank you for sharing the inspiration behind this and uh, the facts of your faith and how it has inspired and motivated you to stay positive. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you very much. My pleasure for Author House and Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.